0: right then welcome to episode seven i believe we're at i should really know that before i start these but yeah we are i believe it is number seven apologies for the noise in the background that was just me moving my microphone around and getting comfortable for what is going to be an interesting show of the day there's uh some good some bad and some in the middle when we come to wwe nxt and AEW, i actually have a lot of AW to talk about today, or at least a couple of things to go in depth with. But we're going to start with WWE, and I suppose the biggest thing that's happened recently, or over the last week, which has been the introduction of the new women's titles. I've seen people kind of hum and har over whether they like them or not. I have kind of mixed feelings on them. I, I like the idea of them being. Pretty much the exact same titles as the men's titles. I think it makes them feel more legitimate again. Which is what we want. I, there's, there's been issues in the in the past with the women's titles. When it comes to how terrible they look. Diva's title specifically. I'm looking at you. Who was a fucking butterfly. What was all that about? It makes them feel legitimate. They should feel as big as the men's titles. That's surely what they're trying to push at the moment. Especially with Rhea. But... I'm absolutely fine with them looking so similar. I don't think every single belt needs to look completely different. Don't get me wrong, I don't think they are the most beautiful belts in the world, but I do think they're improvements on the previous iterations of them. Rears, especially, I think, looks tremendous. I do believe that her holding it helps because that girl looks like a champion. she's she's the kind of girl that you you want to be your world champion. She looks tremendous with that gold as well looks brilliant I, I do prefer that belt over the smackdown belt on on the men's side as well I, I it's just a bit of a prettier belt looks a bit more prestigious to me but both belts are good asuka's belt i think looks great as well i, I like the white strap my issue at the moment with the smackdown women's belt is asuka holding it i, I i'm not i'm not really feeling her as a champion at the moment and Beating Bianca should have been a really big deal because of how great her reign was. And yeah, it's a strange one. I'm, I'm not feeling it at the moment. Um, the, the women's division in general over on SmackDown is a bit all over the shop. I assume that's one reason they brought Charlotte back as well because whether you like her or not, she does bring legitimacy to the belt and to the division. She's one of the greatest of all time. I, I, she's got to be top 2 top 3 women's wrestlers of all time she would be in my top 10 just wrestlers of all time um i, th- I think her career has been good enough her, her she's just had so many unbelievably good matches her catalog of work is unmatched by most of the male roster and i think all of the female roster i, I can't think of anyone who's had as many good matches i know some of you will probably think sasha banks not for me I, Sasha's great to a point but she was very hit and miss and she was partial to the occasional botch but I'm not here to sit and slag her off but yeah we'll we'll see what happens on on, on the women's side of SmackDown but raw I think we are in a really good spot title looks great the main issue I believe they have at the moment is what's next for Rhea the issue on raw's front is I'm I, I'm struggling to think of viable contenders for that title outside of Becky Lynch. And she's obviously in a feud at the moment with Trish and Zoe Stark. My assumption being maybe she wins the money in the bank. I hope she doesn't. Um, if I was a betting man, I'm actually going to say that Trish gets involved in that match and costs Becky it. And hopefully what happens is EO Sky wins money in the bank. I can see there being a situation where you have Eo and Bailey at the top of the ladder, both going for it. Eo kicks Bailey off. That eventually separates damage control, which is disappointing. That's a different subject. I, they had more longevity. I, I, the way they debuted at SummerSlam was great, but we'll get away from that for now. Eo takes the briefcase. She knocks Bailey off. Eo versus Rhea would be a great match. Like I, I would watch that all day, every day, twice on Sundays. That match would be crazy. You've got the big powerhouse in rear, and then you've got that little maniac that is Sky flying around just on the subject of Sky, if you want to know how crazy she is look into her match with Penta at Lucha Underground so Penta's a guy if you don't know who he is he's on AEW now Sky versus Penta at Lucha Underground is one of the craziest matches you're ever going to see it's something that WWE's maybe pushing towards with Rhea when it comes to an inter-gender match, which, to be honest, I'm, I'm not really all for. Every now and then there's a spectacle. I don't mind, but we'll come back to that. But Io Sky versus Penda, they beat the living hell out of each other. That girl is a psychopath. Pender hits her with a chop that, to this day, I can still feel. He throws her through chairs. Just They beat the living hell out of each other. Never in a million years should that match be anywhere near a pay-per-view, and I'm glad that it's kind of... Been lost in the ether of you've got to be really in the wrestling know to know that that match exists. But honestly, if you're listening to this and you want to see a guy and a girl just beat the living hell out of each other, it's probably on YouTube, it's definitely on Twitter, the highlights at least. So go and have a look at that match. But yeah, that girl is nuts. She has been around forever. She was great in NXT. She was one of my favorite women's champions in NXT. Probably her and Shayna Baszler are my top two women's champions from NXT in terms of their runs as well but Rhea versus Io I'm not sure I necessarily see Io beating her unless she cashes in steals it off and then we still get to build on that feud give Io the briefcase for a little while it's 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 been a while since we've had a a long run with someone with the briefcase where they mess around with it oh you think they're going to cash in and they don't and they're involved in other things I know obviously we had Austin Theory but that was awful kind of from the start he was never going to beat Roman I felt a bit sorry for him. He was booked into this corner where he could never cash it in. But yeah, that that's kind of um, the, the main... where I, I'm hoping that the Money in the Bank goes when it comes to the women's front. And as we're on the subject of Money in the Bank, we might as well transition very smoothly over to the men's Money in the Bank. Now, last week, I said what I said and I stick by it. They need to find a way to get Dominic Mysterio in that match. Do the Cody Rhodes match still, because he deserves that match. Put that match on early on the card and put the men's money in the bank on last. Do some way where he gets involved. But let's just say this is not an option. Now, Dominic Mysterio is going to have his match with Cody, which I'm going to say something now which is going to upset some people. I'm going to look at the camera while I say it as well, and it's certainly going to rub people up the wrong way, but I can't help but speak the truth, and that is that Dominic Mysterio deserves to be the top baby face in all of wrestling he should be the top guy cody rhodes is only there and he's only got that spot because of who his dad is just because his dad's dusty Rhodes, they've just given him all these opportunities dominic mysterio never had any of these opportunities he's had to work hard from the from the bottom and work his way up he never got the the luxury of having a a famous dad as a wrestler who was one of the greatest of all time and All this jazz. He's just had to go through the indies, go through NXT, whatever. Dominic Mysterio has got to where he's at by pure, hard graft. Whereas Cody Rhodes, born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Okay, there may be some part of me there that was doing a bit of a wrestling promo there. I actually think that's potentially what Dominic's going to say to Cody at some point in this build-up. But yeah, do that match. I'm looking forward to the match. Uh, Cody's obviously going to go over... Imagine the heat still if Dominic does steal it. I do think there's a small chance that Brock's gonna be there and Brock costs Cody the match. Which I I'm in two minds as to whether I love or I hate this, because part of me loves it because Dominic Mysterio goes over Cody Rhodes and just the amount he will talk about it, he'll talk about how he's been in prison, how he beat Cody Rhodes. It'll be it'll it'll do wonders for Dominic Mysterio. It obviously then sets up Cody versus Brock. The issue is Brock won the last match, so why is he still attacking them? Like he's he's already beaten Cody. I know it's one and one, but I'm not sure that from a I'm just not sure it makes sense from a psychology standpoint in terms of why Brock would be there, why he attacks him. But again, the good thing with this whole storyline and with the way WWE write these things is they, they they can make it believable enough still. You've got the argument, which is just they're one and one, and Brock wants to be two and one and be the dominant one. We'll see what happens. But yeah, so let's say we go back to the Money in the Bank for a second. The The big push is obviously LA Knight. Everybody wants, or it seems to be, everybody online at least, wants to see LA Knight as the Money in the Bank winner, which I can see. But the issue is he's never going to go and cash down Roman. SmackDown still has this issue, so I, I I think that's why they've put out this big statement about the Money in the Bank match for the men's, that it can be cashed in for any belt. It's pretty clear it's going on either the US title or the Intercontinental title. Do I want to see LA Knight against Austin Theory? Sure, the issue is they're both heels. I, I know LA Knight's super over at the moment, but he's just better as a heel. He's he's an asshole, and he he's great at being an asshole, him cashing in doesn't certainly make him a baby face and it gets austin theory away from that title i know they've discussed pushing him further ahead which i'm all for as well but as much as i want to see LA Knight win matches and be over and i'm enjoying everything he does at the moment really i I think he's super underrated still i don't know really what it does for him being in the match is great i think from who is in that match at the moment There's only one winner for me, and that's Damien Priest. Reason being, they had a little interaction with Priest and Gunter on Monday, and I've spoken before, they have this issue with Gunter at the moment of he's so dominant, who's he going to lose to? Damien Priest is not a bad person to lose that belt to. He's big, he's strong, he can wrestle, he can promo. They're clearly pushing him at the moment and see him as a potential top guy. There's no shame in losing to that guy, especially if he cashes in on you as well. That gets the belt off of Gunter. Maybe at SummerSlam he defends it against, looks like, Riddle. Has a hell of a match. Takes a beating, but he wins. And you then get Priest come in. Takes the belt. One, two, three. You get the belt off Gunter. And then we start to push Gunter as the top guy. He then start, He has to start going after the world title. He's super legit. Him against Seth would be great. Him against Finn. I don't think Finn's going to go be champion, but, but that would be great. The big one, as I said before, is build it towards Gunter versus Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. The story is there for WWE to tell, but they're running out of time, and the story is really simple. Gunter was the MVP of the Royal Rumble match. He starts, and he's just smashing everyone, gets to the final two, Cody eliminates him. Obviously, Cody came in at number 30, so you've got the storyline of cody becomes champion between now and wrestlemania at any event don't care when it is you get cody as champion his challenger is gunter gunter comes out and says look you took my opportunity you took my wrestlemania match last year i was going to win the royal rumble you came in last you are fresh you beat me i'd been in there for over an hour i deserve my wrestlemania main event and i'm gonna get it and i'm gonna get it against you and i'm gonna beat you now who goes over in that match is a different question for a different day that story is there to be told and with having priest cash in on gunda you don't make gunda look weak because he got cashed in he, he had a great match he was already tired whatever as opposed to just beating him flat in the ring one two three which can still work depending on the circumstances but I believe that's where they need to go with the money in the bank make LA knight look strong still maybe give him a few opportunities to nearly get the briefcase it just doesn't happen give it to priest It seems like they're going towards getting rid of Finn from Judgment Day, and they've obviously talked about that. There's a small chance you do it where you have Finn beat Seth, and then Priest cashes in on Finn, takes the belt again, so Finn has this incredibly short run. They kick Finn out, and then you've got Damian Priest as world champion, but he's not ready for it yet. I love Damian Priest, but he needs a good run as a mid-card guy. Intercontinental champion would be perfect for him. There's a lot of good matchups for him there as well. So that's where they need to be when it comes to money in the bank, in my opinion. But what are we all thinking? So my two picks, just to put it out there, for the world to see, for the world to hear, Io Sky to win the women's and Damian Priest to win the men's. Io Sky to hold the briefcase for a little while because I think what they do is they throw her in a feud with Bailey, Nothing to do with the title, which is always good to have the women's feuds without the title involved they have that feud for a while but at some point io cashes in on either woman she can go to either show because she has the belt io versus Rhea would be a great match though i I can see them going together really well we obviously have the idea if we could do io against asuka which they've hinted towards as well so there's lots of opportunities there damian priest win the men's cash in on gunter at summer slam or just after depending on how many days they want gunter to have it but yeah, that's, he then drops the title that way. And then we do Gunter versus Cody at Mania because Roman will be defending his title at WrestleMania against The Rock. So, as we've been talking quite a lot about women's wrestling, I think this has got to be next. And that is what's going on with Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch, and Zoe Stark. I'm not going to go... Too in depth on this one, but I do have a theory as to where this match is probably, or this feud, sorry, is probably going. And if I'm right, I'm all for it. If I'm wrong, I'm happy to be proven wrong and see and see what happens. But uh Zoe Stark is a really interesting addition to this feud, which I'm a big fan of. Actually, it shows to me really early on that Triple H is a big fan of hers because she got drafted. Which was a good sign. I I thought she deserved to get drafted. She was one of the the ones that made sense from NXT. There's been a couple of questionable ones, but that one certainly made sense to me in terms of she's good enough, she looks the part, she's strong, she's athletic. I was surprised to say they put her with Trish Stratus, but again, putting her with a legend, a Hall of Famer, shows that they have some belief in her. She's going to be able to do some of the legwork that maybe trish can't do any anymore she she showed in saudi arabia she can still wrestle trish she's she's still she can still put on a good match but i I certainly don't think she can go week in week out that's where zoe stark comes in i have to say i felt a bit sorry for her on raw because she has to do a promo against becky who's one of the best promos in the business and becky just buried her smashed her said she has no personality and Zoe's promo wasn't great. I'm I'm going to be honest here. I do really like her, but her promo seemed very pre-planned and very. you could tell she wasn't really comfortable or confident in what she was doing. That needs some work. Luckily for her, if she's spending a lot of time with Trish Stratus, Trish can do a great promo. Becky will hopefully help her out as well. The feud itself, I'm enjoying... Because, like I said previously, it's good to see more women's feuds that aren't just around the belt. Because that they, they were kind of pigeonholed. It's one reason. It's not the only reason. But it's one reason that Charlotte Flair has had the belt so many times. Because she's the best. They want her involved in feuds. But you have to have the belt involved. I'm glad they're getting away from that a little bit. This is a, a really good one. I, I didn't think that a few weeks ago. But kind of before the match at Saudi Arabia, I wasn't really sold whatsoever. But that match was great. It was probably the surprise match of the night. And I'm not hating the the current build. One issue I do have with Zoe Stark is not really her fault. It's the other girls on the roster. And that's that they need to learn to take her finisher probably. Because her finisher is great. But it looks terrible when the girls don't fully know how to take it. So from that standpoint that 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 needs work on but in terms of in the ring I, I think she's really good actually she has a lot of potential um i assume they're going to do a becky versus zoe stark match where if becky wins she gets the trish rematch which she will undoubtedly get i'm assuming they're going to do a best of three match here yeah, as opposed to just the two matches but i'm not sure timeline if this works but my assumption being we go to SummerSlam and we do becky versus trish two Becky wins that and then maybe Survivor Series we do the third one and that's kind of the rubber match now this is where I think or where I'd like to see this whole feud going I'm not necessarily going to be right but it would make sense because of the backstory of this as well so let's say we have the SummerSlam match Becky goes over whatever we go to Survivor Series and we have Becky versus Trish number three Zoe Stark's just continually get involved in this match still. She's just constantly getting involved. It looks like Trish is going to go over. Out comes Lita. Because we've just... They've seemingly forgot she exists... When the whole storyline was built around the fact that... Becky and Lita were champions. Trish beats up Lita in the back. Obviously we don't get to see it. But then Trish is the reason that they lose the tag team titles. We're not going to talk about the women's tag team titles today... But that's what happens... And then Lida's just been off TV ever since. Now, the reason I would have Lita come back and she cost Trish the match is because at Mania, you get one final chance to do it and we do Trish versus Lita, one-on-one, their final match against each other. Thought we'd never see it again. It's on the biggest stage of them all and if two people deserve that WrestleMania moment... Those two girls deserve that wrestlemania moment. Like they paved the way for everything that we see now. Without those two women, I'm not saying that the women's evolution doesn't happen. I'm sure it still would, but I think it slows it slows down and maybe we certainly wouldn't be where we are now when it comes to women's wrestling without those two girls because they were the first two that I remember where I was really invested in them as wrestlers as opposed to just their hot girls. Don't get me wrong, the fact that they're attractive absolutely helped. It's all it's always gonna help. And they were still getting put in stupid brawn panties matches and all this stupid stuff. And for anyone that doesn't know, like as a young younger man, as a, a teenager, Lida was my bag. She she's my woman. She's chef's kiss. But again, we're not here talking about my teenage years either. We go to WrestleMania and we do Trish versus Lida one last time. I actually don't have a lot of expectations for that match itself because from what I've seen in the last year, I'm not sure Lita can really go in the ring anymore. Which hurts me to say, but out of the two of them, Trish looks far better in the ring than Lita does. And if you look at Trish versus Becky and Lita versus Becky, those two matches, Trish versus Becky was a better match. There were still mistakes in it. Trish is not perfect. She's certainly not the wrestler that she was either, but she's a lot I, I feel she's just a step ahead of Lita these days, but that's irrelevant. You can still build a good match around that. And again, we've got the storyline of, look, we, we ended up being the first women to main event Monday Night Raw, which I still to this day remember and couldn't believe it. Like, wow, they're getting the girls to main event it, which was awesome. And again, look where we are now. But we get that match, do it as a retirement match and let Trish win. My assumption being Trish because her kids are older now she wants to wrestle a bit more and she'd be a bit more active which is great again that woman has earned it I don't feel like Lita's got a huge amount left to give or to do she can't wrestle the way she used to wrestle anymore now that's down to the fact that back in the day and I'm sure some people will disagree she was a better wrestler than Trish when they were both in their prime that girl's great like if if she was in her prime now she fits into the women's division now Easily you could still see her as a woman's champion, but and she was wrestling with the guys, doing flying hurricane runners, all this magic and involved in TLC matches. The girl was crazy, but I think that's probably took its toll on her body a little bit as well. The broken neck doesn't help either. But yeah, if I was booking it, that's where I go. So we do we do the three matches. Becky goes over two to one against the Hall of Famer, a legend, makes Becky look strong. Doesn't do anything to Trisha's legacy, she's already a Hall of Famer. She's already one of the greatest of all time. She's some people's pick for the greatest female wrestler of all time, which is fine. You can have that, that option. She's not mine, but she is absolutely in my top five. Charlotte's number one. But that's where I see that feud going anyway. Again, I'm I'm open to being wrong here. I'm interested to see where they do go with it. I'm not 100% sure where Zoe Stark fits into that. I don't know whether they then do it where long-term you could do trish versus zoe as well or zoe turning on trish and teaming with becky for zoe stark i don't necessarily know where it goes but there is certainly options and it's not going to do her any harm let's say she doesn't really get anything massive out of this feud her teaming with trish stratus being in a feud against becky lynch is only going to be good for her career she just needs to step up now this is her opportunity to really step up from nxt and show that she belongs on that main roster so fingers crossed that is where we go to with Zoe Stark and with that feud altogether. I'm all for Trish versus leader at Mania one last time, make a spectacle of it. Let them have their WrestleMania moment. I'm all for it. Now talking about NXT, just as we're here, there's a few bits to go over on NXT. So the big story is obvious. And that is that Seth Rollins is going to be on NXT and he's going to wrestle Bron Breaker. Now, That match alone, even without the title, I'm all for. Bron Breaker, as I've said on this podcast prior, should be on the main roster by now. I think this is probably a bit of a test for him where Triple H is going to see how he does against one of the top, top guys. He's Raw's top guy at the moment. The good thing for Bron is that he can make any wrestler look... uh, The good thing for Bron is that Seth can make any wrestler look good. Look at Dominic Mysterio's debut match, Seth talks him through the match pretty much so i'm not saying Braun's not as as worse than dominic mysterio I'm, i'm just kind of putting seth over there but seth versus Braun on nxt feels like a big deal and it makes nxt feel like a big deal and there's been a lot of talk about their wanting to push nxt on now and kind of have that as its own standalone show as opposed to just a developmental It needs to be somewhere in the middle. I'm all for pushing NXT more. Like Black and gold era NXT was some of the best wrestling we've seen in the last 10, 11 years. It was unbelievable, the roster they had. Um, And they didn't treat it just as a developmental. Obviously, it helped. They had a bunch of Ring of Honor guys who really helped make that show what it was. But I'm I'm certainly all for them changing it around so it's not just NXT 2.0 because... I, like a lot of people, stopped watching when it changed over. I tune in every now and then, but I I kind of just catch the highlights online. I'm not desperate to tune in, whereas if they're going to push it and make it feel more of a big deal, I will absolutely give it a go again. And Seth versus Braun will help. It'll not do it by itself, but it will certainly help. The match will be great. I'm really excited for it. There's no way Bron Breaker wins. I mean, imagine if he did, but he's not going to win. But the match itself will be great. My hope is that that is pretty much the end of Bron Breaker on NXT. Because what else is there there for him to do outside of go for one of the lower titles or put him in a tag team? Doesn't really make sense. There's space for him on Raw or SmackDown. I, I think SmackDown actually would suit him better. But either or he, he would do fine on. Him versus Seth will be great whilst still talking about nxt we've also got baron corbin going over Ilya, which i was surprised at and i'm in two minds at because i really like baron corbin which i'm gonna get some hate for but baron corbin is very underrated he's a very very smart heel because a lot of people don't understand that being worked by him which shows how good he is they just hate him because he's shit in the ring which he's not and he's proved he can wrestle and he's got loads of moves but I, I've listened to him talk before and he says he knows it upsets the audience when he doesn't do a lot and then still wins or he only does like eight nine ten moves he's doing it just to work you all and then what hasn't helped is his horrendous booking After says, his is booking the last year has been awful on the main roster now this is why I'm in two minds about him beating Ilya because I'm all for them pushing Baron Corbin and him against Carmelo Hayes will be a great match. I'm sure Carmelo's going to win or it'll be a short reign for Baron Corbin. He'll then drop it back to Carmelo. Whatever. I'm all for them pushing Baron Corbin. The issue I have is every time he's on the main roster, when he's on SmackDown or when he's on Raw, and it's been mainly SmackDown, he looks like a bum and he gets beaten quite quick and he looks rubbish and he looks like he can't really wrestle. He looks like no legitimate threat to any wrestler. He obviously got squashed by Cameron Grimes who was in NXT for years, was never a world champion, was never even in real contention for a world title in NXT but he gets squashed by Cameron Grimes. He lost again last week. He looks like a chump. You then put him in the ring against Ilya who is one of NXT's top guys and I've ranted and raved about how much i love Ilya dragunov that guy is crazy he's brilliant i can see him getting called up to the main roster soon but to have him lose to baron corbin as great as it is for corbin it now makes Ilya look less legitimate and if i've seen that and then i see him come to the main roster i think he's going to be a bum now because he lost to baron corbin and if i'm if i'm a member of the audience who only watches smackdown or raw and i don't know who Ilya is he makes his brand his big appearance on smackdown they're ranting and raving about how great he is and then i go on twitter and see that he got beaten clean one two three to baron corbin immediately from a psychology standpoint i just think oh well that guy's a bum because he lost to baron corbin and baron corbin lost to that other guy who i don't even know who he is who's to the moon in like six seconds and he's rubbish so the booking's a bit all over the place and that they're still suffering from this issue that Vince had with NXT and I don't know whether it's Vince doing this at the moment or whether it is Triple H, but if NXT is going to be... If you're going to push NXT to be a bigger show and it's going to mean more, the matches that happen in NXT have to exist in the world of SmackDown and Raw because we had this issue in the past where someone would have an... Unbelievable run in NXT, and then they'd be called up to the main roster, and we would just forget that that run in NXT ever existed. It was just not a thing. This person's brand new. It's stupid because a portion of the audience, a big portion of the audience, are going to know, especially with the internet now and the way Twitter is, and because WWE's main Twitter account share a lot of NXT stuff as well, as they should, you're going to see that as well. So they need to work out exactly how to book that show because you can't have it either or it's either going to be a developmental and it doesn't mean anything if they're going to push it which along that topic i've seen rumors that they want to put a few nxt matches on at SummerSlam, which i'm all for it then has to mean something the matches on there have to mean something and you can't just have baron corbin looking like a killer on nxt and then getting smashed on smackdown in the same week because it doesn't make any sense and as a As a viewer, you have to have some legitimacy and believe what's going on here. If he's looking dominant and beating the top guys in NXT and then getting smashed, crushed in like 10 seconds by a lower card guy on SmackDown, why would I ever watch NXT? Because clearly those guys are all terrible. They don't know how to wrestle because they're losing against this bum Baron Corbin. So they need to work out exactly how to book that. If they are going to push NXT... Into SummerSlam as well. I'm all for it. A few years ago, they experimented with it and then didn't do anything with it. And that was at Survivor Series where they did Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, which I loved. And NXT won. And I thought at the time, oh well, they're going to push on, and that's going to be a big show now because they've just beaten Raw and SmackDown. And then kind of whatever Vince or Bruce Pritchard or whoever got involved, and they slowly started chipping away at NXT and just kind of got rid of it from what it was because I, I, my, my main memory of that is Shayna baszler winning the women's match holding the nxt women's title over and you thought wow that's great and then Shayna got caught up the main roster and her bookings being awful so i'm interested to see exactly the direction they're going to go with nxt I, I do believe that they should push it and make it more of a show my assumption is this is a bit of a response to aew bringing out collision If AEW are going to have three main shows, my assumption being WWE want to do the same, match them and beat them, which again is competition. I'm all for it, but they need to work out how they're going to fully present NXT and book it correctly in line with Raw and SmackDown. It's always going to be the third brand, but it can still mean something. It can certainly be better than AEW have done with Rampage, which again is terrible. No one cares about Rampage. Whatever. But we're talking about AEW, so let's go into AEW and specifically Dynamite this week. Which for me was one of the better AEW dynamites over the last few months, to be honest. But there's good and bad to talk about here. So AEW Dynamite on the week on Wednesday, shall I say. Um Can you hear that in the background? This is me pouring a cuppa. Don't mind me and coffee is there all right and let's get this microphone back where it belongs and let's talk about AEW. so i've made no secret that i prefer wwe and i do watch more wwe programming when cm punk was in AEW, i was pretty invested and i was actually i would say watching probably nearly as much WWE as I was AEW and then Punk left and I tried to stay with it and th- there was a real drop off on the show. That just was I'm I'm not gonna sit here and 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 slag it off but I, I watched a, a lot less AEW than I had previously. And that seems to be the way that for me as a viewer I continually go with AEW. When it first came out when it, when they first debuted I was all in pun intended and then they lost me, and then they brought me back. They've lost me. They've been very, very up and down. And I, I do think they're on the up at the moment. They're doing certain things that I'm really, really liking. There's still mistakes on their shows, but for in fairness, there is on SmackDown and Raw as well. So I'm going to talk about the positives and then a relatively, well, two negatives. One relatively big negative that... They need to address, and I feel like Tony Khan keeps ignoring, but we're going to come back to that. So let's start with the good. The Adam Cole-MJF match. The match in itself, in terms of the reason it existed, I didn't like this whole idea that Adam Cole has to beat MJF to then get a match against MJF for the title. I I hate title eliminator matches like that. I, I think they're stupid. If you're going to wrestle the champion and you beat him, you should be... The, the the you should take the belt i i it doesn't make sense i i, I don't like it I, I know wwe do it sometimes as well i don't like it then either it's it, it's dumb like if, if you're going to beat the champion that should mean something because especially what they would have done or what they usually do is adam cole wins and then they have the actual title match and then somehow mgf wins it's it's stupid anyway having said that my little widge there the match itself was really really good really strong and it's actually done a lot more than I thought it would do in terms of building up Adam Cole. Because for, for anyone anyone who didn't watch AEW and doesn't want any spoilers, don't stop listening because I, I need the views. Or the listeners even. Both. Whatever. Anyway, um, but yeah, there's going to be some spoilers for Dynamite here. So the, the match finishes on a time limit draw as Adam Cole is getting the pin. I believe it's on the two count and the time runs out. What that does is it obviously means that they're not going to have the Adam Cole-MJF match just yet. But now as a viewer, I believe Adam Cole's a legitimate challenger to MJF. Because we all saw that if there was an extra two seconds of that match left, Adam Cole had won. MJF wasn't going to kick out. He'd beat the champion. But he didn't. And I like that. I, th- I think this is a great booking from Tony Khan, actually. I love everything about this. And not only the way it finished the match itself was strong and adam cole he's kind of a victim of his own success in that originally in ring of honor and then nxt black and gold that guy was great and i I mean top probably top five wrestlers in the world during that period especially the the kind of middle to end portion of his nxt run Everything he was in, I loved, I wanted to watch. Honestly, if you've not watched, go back, watch some of that guy's matches, watch some of that guy's promos, like everything. He was an unbelievable NXT champion. It was all great. I loved it. He's then went to AEW and his run's been awful. It it, it really has. I I don't want to sit here and say that because I'm a big Adam Cole fan. I I, I really do believe he's one of the best in-ring performers in the world. I know MGF's brought it up, and I think I've mentioned it too. Like he, he has let himself go in terms of how he looks compared to how he looked in NXT. Now, I don't believe every single wrestler in the world needs to look like Batista. I, I That's fine. You don't all need to be big, jacked, and strong. It's, it's, not, it's not necessary. At the same time, you need to look somewhat athletic. If he's unwell... If he's got some issue underlying in the background... Then I feel terrible for him. I feel terrible saying this. But if it's just a case of... He's... <clears throat> I'm just going to keep that in. I'm not going to edit that cough out. Fuck it. If he's just left WWE... Went to AEW... And he just hangs out with his pals now... And he's just stopped working out... Because I know that... I'm sure... On... When he was part of WWE... The whole working out is pushed on you. And obviously... As you all know, Vince is a big body guy. But if he's just went to AW and decided, I don't need to work out. I'm still great in the ring. It doesn't matter. Unfortunately, from a viewership perspective, that's not true. You need to look a bit better. You need to look like you can fight. Because he's already a small guy, which is fine. Rey Mysterio is a small guy. But Rey Mysterio always looked in shape. And obviously, Adam Cole's bigger than Rey. But Rey always looked in shape. You could tell he lifted weights. And he looked athletic. He could move well. Adam Cole still moves well. But he needs to work out. But again, we're going to tan up a little bit as well. You're, you're in the States. Like, go get some sunshine as well. Get a bit of a, a tan on that body as well. You're, you're too pasty and you're too undefined. There we go. I've, I've said it. I've, I've slagged you off. There we go. Now I'm going to big you up. Your match against MGF was the best match you've had on your entire AEW run. Now... I sh- that shouldn't really be the case you won the the owen hart memorial cup or whatever they're calling it which they're doing again that should have meant something it didn't mean anything and all of your matches have been very subpar but your match with mjf what that's done straight away is remind me of adam cole of old and i i want to see you in title matches now i actually don't hate the idea that long term you beat mjf for the title so that's great bugan and great work by both guys to to bring me back because I was so far removed from Adam Cole being anywhere near a legitimate contender. So they've planted that seed for me now. Let it grow. Let, let's push on. It was great. I know some people complain about MGF repeatedly talking about WWE. I like it. It's part of his shtick. His whole elbow pad saying Vince was right was just, it's super cheap heat, but it's funny. It, it does make me laugh, and I think that there's definitely a portion of the aew roster that probably fucking hate it and there's certainly a portion of the aew fan base that hate it as well but the guys the third best heel in the business right now it's a throwback to the last episode where we confirmed that dominic mysterio is number one and don callis is number two but mgf certainly a strong number three cheers so that was great and i loved it the card itself was was pretty good now i'm in a really interesting spot talking about how this card finished because as a wrestling fan i loved it i i thought it was one of the best ends to an aw dynamite show that i can think of in a, in a really long time a really long time i've actually watched it twice it was that good this this there's, there's two issues i have but again i'm going to go with the positives first which was kenny t- like returns well on returns but turns up and looks strong starts smashing people <sighs> okay i I'm, I'm trying to work out how i'm going to word this from being super positive about what was a great ending but i'm just going to mix it all into positive and negative i could probably edit this better but i'm just going to go on a little rant now the ending of that show was great for me because I love wrestling and I know 95% of the guys in that ring. I'm going to be honest and say Takeshita, I don't know a huge amount about. Because I don't watch a huge amount of Japanese wrestling. But I know the name. I know the guys at Asking. I've seen a few highlights. I know that because I'm in the know and I know a lot about wrestling. So for me, it was a fucking wet dream. You've got John Moxley. You've got Danielson, you've got Omega, you've got Will Ospreay coming out and smashing up Kenny, which obviously sells towards their match, which I'm assuming is going to happen in Wembley, which, again, I'm all in for that match. Like, match number two between Kenny and Will Ospreay, I'm all for it. You've got Takeshida in the ring, you've got the Young Bucks, you've got Claudio, you've got everyone. You've got the the whole Blackpool comic, everything. I'm all in. I'm all in, is the problem here. General public they ain't all in and if you don't believe me look at the ratings for that show the lowest rated segment of the entire show is that ending and it shows the big problem aew have which is they're so built around the idea of they need to keep or they need to impress the really in the knowledge that the the smart marks the smart fans they need to impress them because they're their lifeblood which is true but stops you from ever progressing anywhere because that audience is always going to be six, seven 700,000 in America. You don't have millions and millions of fans who are that hardcore. That hardcore are going to stay no matter what, but you need to be able to market towards other people, people who aren't in the know. You need to explain to me who Takeshita is. Explain to me who Kenny Omega is. Especially explain to me who Will Ospreay is. Because, again, Takeshi and Will Ospreay two of the best wrestlers in the world right now. If I'm just your average wrestling fan, I ain't got a clue who either of those guys are. And if you ain't going to try and tell me, I'm probably not going to try and find out. Because there's a portion of the wrestling audience who are pretty lazy. And if it's not just put out in front of them, they're not going to go and find out. The AEW needs to do a better job of introducing stars. Explaining to me why they're a big deal. You've obviously got a deal in place with New Japan because you're doing forbidden door use some of their footage make them a big deal make me understand what's happening here don't just throw them all in the ring and assume because they're all in the ring that everyone's going to get it because they're not and again look at the ratings for that show they're actually pretty good and they're steadily going up up and up and then that final segment comes down and they plummet to under under seven hundred thousand, which is I'm not going to sit here and talk ratings. This is a rant for another day, the whole fans getting involved in ratings in the demo, but Tony Khan needs to look at that and understand that although he's doing wrestling that he loves, if he's looking at it as a business and if he wants to grow and expand AEW, he he needs to do a better job of pushing out to a bigger audience and not just assuming that everyone knows who everyone is because they don't. Like I've got a bunch of wrestling fans who watch just WWE, because they're obviously the biggest they aren't going to know who half of that those people are and they're not going to really care because it's never been explained to them so that's a, a it's a big challenge for tony to try and find that mix I, I guess it's hard to do you've been going for four years now and you've not really grown a lot and that can be shown just by the viewing figures alone i'm going to have one more little whinge and it seems like a weekly thing but i'm going to whinge about john moxley here as well now every time i whinge about John Moxley I get people on Twitter on TikTok whatever on any of my socials say why don't you like John Moxley that guy's great he's wonderful now let's say I can get past the idea of he's good in the ring because I I don't think he's that great in the ring to be honest I I think his matches are way too similar all the time but let's let's look past that for a second he's so amateurish on camera for a guy who's so experienced like he went through the whole developmental in wwe and say what you want those guys understand camera angles way better than any other wrestling organization in the world they understand where hard cam is they understand what to show when to change camera angles whatever go back and watch the ending to dynamite which again I loved it. I thought it was great. You've got stars, or at least who I would class as stars, all over the place. You've got people being thrown around, finishers left, right, and center. Total anarchy, and I loved it. In the middle of that, there's a section where you've got the young bucks and John Moxley outside. Now, just remember, they hate each other, right? They've just done the whole anarchy in the arena or whatever that bullshit match was. They hate each other. They're smashing each other up. They end up outside of the ring, and in the ring, I want to say it was Takeshita and Kenny Omega's segment in the ring. I can't remember. Go go back and watch it. The reason I can't remember who was in the ring was because outside on camera for everyone to see, John Moxley and the Young Bucks just having a chat. What are we doing? Like, you're supposed to be this badass who's seeking blood and vengeance, and you're going to kill everyone. But you're so amateurish like you 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 know you're on camera, you're right at the you put behind the ring, like everyone can see you, and these two guys are your mortal enemies who you're gonna kill, and you're just having a chat. it's so dumb, like it, he does this all the time, like he gets caught blading on camera repeatedly because he he doesn't really care, and i I believe that he gets too much of a pass from the aew hardcore audience who are like look at him he's crazy and he'll do these crazy matches and they'll throw him in tax and he'll be busted up, and he'll do this he'll do that that's great but don't treat me like i'm an idiot and if you're going to sit there and talk to your mortal enemies and have a chat during what is one of aew's better segments of recent months it takes away from that and it makes me like you less again because you're taking me out of the moment and I I there's there's no excuse for it. It's not like you can say if it was Wheeler Uda, I might give him a bit of a pass because he's younger, he's less experienced, he's still learning. I would still call him out on this podcast and complain about it. But the fact that you're John Moxie, you're supposed to be one of the top guys. You've been everywhere, you've been WWE world champion, you've been AEW world champion. You've held titles all over the place. You've had, what What was it, the, the US title in Japan? You've, you've had titles everywhere. You should know better than this. And it just makes you look, it makes you look like an amateur. It makes you look dumb. And it makes me not want to watch you wrestle. And to be honest, that's kind of where I am. There's there's no John Moxley match I'm desperate to see. We are going to talk about a dream match that one of you guys mentioned. I might watch that if it happened. But again, that's mainly because of who his opponent was in this suggestion but it was so infuriating it, it really it, for me it, it didn't ruin the segment it just reinforced the idea that he's not a top guy he's not he's, he's just they can push him as much as they want as a top guy and he's not like kenny omega is streets ahead of him when it comes to in ring in promos in professionalism and i think kenny omega has a problem when it comes to professionalism, but. He's so far ahead of them in all of those things. Yeah, I I don't know what to say. It, it's just very frustrating. Like there is something there with Moxley where, where he could be a top guy to me as well. Whatever this incarnation of him is, it's just not it. And I feel like he doesn't care anymore. And I'm gonna get loads of stick for saying that, but he makes so many amateurish mistakes. He's got to be. He has to be doing them on purpose. He's got to know he's doing them and just not care and that means to me that that's kind of shitty just quickly on the subject of dynamite one thing i'm not feeling still and i don't want is sting versus jericho get that shit away from me i'm still like sting to a point a feud with jericho does nothing for anyone ever if you don't believe me where the fuck's action andretti he beat jericho and has he been on tv since he has he done anything this will run for another day but any feud with jericho at the moment i have no interest in i certainly don't have an interest in jericho versus a sting in his 60s but we're clearly going to get it but whatever long story short that was one of the better episodes of dynamite they have started to draw me back in i'm super impressed with what they've done with adam cole to somehow make him seem legitimate to me again I'm all in on that front. There's certainly something there. They just need to keep building on it. Punk coming back at Collision will be interesting. I think they're really pushing Punk to be a heel. I loved their promo package for Punk. I I thought it was really, really well done. It was a bit WWE-esque in their production values, which is not a bad thing because WWE are the best at that. But... There's repeatedly stories online, obviously a lot through Meltzer and Alvarez, that are very not pro CM Punk. They're making people want to hate him. I'm just going to call it now, on collision, I think he turns on FTR and goes heel. And the main core of AW's audience will boo him and they will buy him as a heel. For me, I think they should keep him as a face. There's still something to do there. They can still turn him at some point, but bring him back as the face, keep him as a face for a little bit. Either way, I'm going to tune in because whatever you want to say about Punk, he still has something. He still brings eyes to the screen. I'm really interested to see what the viewership is for Collision, but me specifically, I'll be watching. I'm looking forward to it. We'll have to see what happens in terms of whether they can keep me as a fan watching week in, week out. They need to do a better job than they did with Rampage, which I've not watched a single second of Rampage this year. And from what I understand, I haven't missed anything at all. So we'll see what happens. Also, um, Andrade versus Buddy Matthews, great match. Don't care how that match goes, whose face, whose heel. I just want to see those two guys beat the hell out of each other. I'm looking forward to that as well. Collision to me is looking really, really good. They're keeping me invested without the show having even started yet. So that's a good show, and I will talk about that next week on the podcast. Okay, so let's finish with my favourite, favourite section of the week at the moment when it comes to this podcast, and that is Dream Matches That Will Never Happen. Now, I put out a couple last week, one for a bit of fun when it comes to Brock Lesnar versus the Young Bucks, but I, I put the question out there to... To the world, what are dream matches that people would love to see that can't happen? Just a a bit bit of fantasy booking for a bit of fun here. So there's been a couple unbelievable ones that got sent to me. So I'm going to go through three. And again, I want your picks. So whether it be on my TikTok, on the website, email me, whatever. Twitter, give me your dream matches that can't happen. And then I'll talk about them. So the three that got mentioned today, and I'm going to go through them all. The first was Bret Hart versus the ECW version of Taz. Jesus Christ, that match would have been insane. You've got the technical prowess of Bret Hart, who's one of the greatest of all time. There's no getting around it. Like, Name a bad Bret Hart match. It just doesn't exist. I can certainly name bad Taz matches, but Taz in his prime... The problem Taz has is some people get hung up on his WWE run, which just, it wasn't it. But go back and watch the suplex machine that is Taz in ECW. The idea of those two going at it, you've kind of got the prototypical WWE guy in Bret Hart, and he's going to come out and give his glasses to the young kid in the audience. And then you've got Taz going to come out with a towel over his head, and he's just going to, He's just that thug from Brooklyn, from Red Hook, and he's just going to smash Brett up. That match would be unbelievable. What I like about that match being brought up as a dream match is no one's talking about that as a dream match. Like Taz very rarely gets brought up in these kind of conversations. Brett does a lot. There's a bunch of Brett matches I'd love to see. But Brett versus Taz in ECW, you've got just Taz just suplexing Brett left, right, and center. Going for that Taz mission, you've got Brett trying to keep him on the mat, be technical. Going for the sharpshooter. My assumption being Brett goes over in that match, but you've the promos leading up to it as well. Like Taz has a really underrated promo, and especially if you actually look at his WWE run, at the start his promos were great as well, and he was really believable as Thug Life born, Thug Life bred. One day is going to be Thug Life dead, like. He was an asshole and he was scary as well. And you thought he's legitimately going to hurt someone. And then you've got superhero Brett, who's against straight-laced and he's going to stick up for everybody else. He's going to go against this bully that is Taz. You have to have Brett as their face here and ECW Taz as the heel of the bully. I'd be all for that match. That match would be ridiculous. What are we thinking? Brett versus Taz, ECW Taz, dream match. Would we watch it? Would we enjoy it? For me sounds tremendous match number two that was brought to my attention roman reigns current iteration so we've got the kind of unstoppable version of roman reigns he's smashing everyone he's got the usos by his side still so we're talking roman at his peak roman who went in against cody at mania that guy at his peak against peak prime kurt angle good lord take take my money now take it all let me see that match i know it can't happen but just imagine you've got the tribal chief roman reigns who looks like the greatest he looks like a million bucks he looks like a champion coming out with both belts and then you've got peak kurt angle who is jacked within an inch of his life his ass is ginormous if you've never noticed kurt angle has a huge ass or at least did because he's powerful jacked out of his mind those two's just the build-up to it i just honestly i'm just romanticizing it in my head how great it's going to be you get roman repeatedly coming out doing these great promos talking about how he's the best he's gonna put kurt angle on the island of relevancy and in the long term kurt's going to acknowledge him kurt sneaks in attacks him gets him in the ankle lock you maybe get roman tapping because of the pain obviously we're not in the match though so roman doesn't tap but you build the idea of if kurt gets that angle lock roman's gonna tap at the same time you get during this build-up roman maybe jumping kurt with the usos getting them tied up in the ropes bust kurt open smash him up same idea if roman gets the help he needs and if roman gets one second to hit that superman punch or that spear matches over the intensity coming from those two guys to just butt heads—it's the whole idea of the irresistible force against the immovable object. That's that match. Two of the greatest of all time: Kurt Angle's in my top three or four ever. Roman's not far from that as well. Good lord, that match would have been good. What what were we think? And that's that's out of the matches we went and we spoke about. That's my top pick so far for a dream match that we'll never see. That I would just. I, I can't express to you how much i would love that match match number three that was brought to me now this one's a, a good one because i'd never even thought about it is the macho man randy savage versus a j styles who from a match quality perspective from the three three matches i've just mentioned oh i've dropped my microphone there we go i'm, I'm back I've probably lost you for a second there. I probably won't even edit that out because it was quite amusing for the video as well. But imagine what I'm talking about here. You've got peak macho man Randy Savage giving me the most crazy coke-filled promos that you've ever seen. So intense, so jacked, so ready to go. And you have him as the baby face as well. You've got him as the, the people's choice. And then you've got AJ Styles, who is probably top four greatest in-ring performers of all time he's a better in-ring performer than the macho man and i do not say that lightly because i think macho man is probably in the top 10 for in-ring performances and i'm going to make a big statement now a statement that especially the old school fan are going to hate and disagree with but if you take prime macho man randy savage and prime aj styles and you build it properly and you give them 20 30 minutes in the ring that match will be better than prime macho man against prime ricky steamboat at mania we've all seen that match if you've not seen that match please go and watch it it's one of the greatest matches of all time macho man versus ricky steamboat there's there's an episode of dark side of the ring about that match pretty much go and watch it it's amazing And I love, love Ricky Steamboat. I'm not trying to take away from him for a single second here. One of the greatest of all time. Doesn't get spoken about enough. But Prime AJ, Prime Macho Man, it eclipses even that. The promos would be crazy. The build up would be crazy. And then just the spectacle of it. Put it in a big arena, put it in WrestleMania, and you get the Macho Man trying to get that elbow drop. And then you've got AJ who's just flying around. He's trying to get that phenomenal forearm again i don't care who goes. The, the beauty of all these matches pretty much is that i don't really care who wins any of them you just get to see it from a you get to fantasize about it because the sad part of this this whole part of the show is that it's never going to happen but i like the fantasy aspect of it i'll probably go on 2k 23 and do all of them later but yeah macho man versus aj styles pff, mind blown how good that would be in the ring but they're the three for this week what order are we putting them in in terms of best to worst so we've got brett versus taz ecw taz roman reigns versus kurt angle and macho man randy savage versus aj styles for me i'm going to go the top match i'd want to see out of those three is roman versus kurt i just everything about it i love very close second is the macho man versus aj styles and not far behind that is brett versus taz i think unfortunately the issue with that match is that taz is probably not in the same class as everybody else we've just mentioned the match would still be crazy i would still love it but yeah what do you guys think in terms of those and then again what other matches can we think of there's this the good thing about this is it's endless and that brett versus taz match shows that because i'd never thought about taz and many dream matches at all but as soon as that got mentioned to me i was like Fuck yeah, that'd be great. Let's see that match. So yeah, give me your dream matches. Let me talk about it. Let me fantasize about it and talk to you about it. What are your dream matches that we haven't had yet, but we want to see in the future? Anyway, looking at this clock, I've spoken at you for well over an hour now. You're probably bored of my voice, so I'm going to leave you to it. I am going to head off and go... Have a fun weekend so I hope you all have a great week and I shall catch you all next week. As always my name is Joe Taylor and this has been Wrestlers Court.